Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Kia just recently offered up a session with their senior VP of design, Kareem Habib, and I was able to jump on and join a bunch of other journalists, as a matter of fact, to hear about their new design philosophy. Okay. Because you all have probably seen the release of the EV6, mm-hmm. a recent vehicle. It's battery electric vehicle. It shares the platform of the Hyundai Ioniq 5 mm-hmm. that just came out. And this is pretty interesting news. So what happened was it was a Zoom call with everybody who had kind of jumped on and said, yeah, I want to participate. And it was you know, limited to various journalists who they thought would have interest. So thanks to Kia for doing that. And they made Kareem available. It was 9 a.m. Korea time to ask questions. And so what happened in advance... <laughs> Did you flash like an art, art center symbol or logo? Was there a <laughs> no, special handshake no, in front of the camera Kareem, or something? Kareem knows me and I know him. <laughs> I, um, oh, I, that guy. In advance of... Uh, any sort of change or any sort of presentation designers like to come up with mood boards or theme videos Mm -hmm. or anything Mm -hmm. along that line to present what they're thinking of for how the ideas are generated. Because if you just draw a sketch, people are going to ask, well, I don't see the lug nuts. I don't understand it. No, 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 no. It's conceptual. (laughs) It's, you know, you got to see the theme, you know, here's the line and here's where that's coming from because marketing people like to hear that kind of stuff. But also from a standpoint of change, car companies are always changing. Mm -hmm. We're seeing that a lot lately. And what they're, what, what they see is the future market of what, about where they're going to make money Mm -hmm. and where they're going to sell vehicles into various markets and who's buying what, like SUVs in North America, they change their philosophy, which changes their design branding. Because in an effort to keep things fresh and sell more cars and be progressive and all those kinds of things, they have to come up with new themes. Mm -hmm. And so Kia revealed this design philosophy through a video that included... An artist, she is an actually a dancer, and it was a video of her in a huge deep tank dancing underwater. Okay. And her graceful motions were exemplified or, or even, you know, amplified by the fact she's dancing in water. So her hair's moving and, and the clothes she was wearing was, you know, scarf was floating mm-hmm. and it would create these beautiful shapes and beautiful lines. I'm with you, but I'm not enough of a desire to see how this gets us to a car. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little lost in the weeds. Help me, please. I will say that Tom Atana used to be the director of design for Mazda Mm -hmm. way back when, decades ago. And it was under his watch the Miata was created. Mm -hmm. And he would take designers to fashion shows so they could see how models walk and position themselves and colors and shapes Mm -hmm. and all those kinds of things to get inspired. And so that's where actually the Miata sort of grew out I get that. But for this design philosophy, as Kia, as might have noticed are kind of transitioning themselves. Mm -hmm. Here's an example. When you transition to an electric car, all the holes, the intakes in a car change. Yeah. How do you deal with that? A former hole that was a air intake to cool the car. is now irrelevant. Yeah. Don't need that anymore. Mm -hmm. Or an an air outlet for some reason, or, you know, various other holes in the car that just don't need to be there anymore. Or we need to address it differently because of the technology Mm -hmm. lighting, 
airflow, sure. cooling, all those kinds of things. So the new design philosophy of Kia is opposites united. So Kareem was it's talking. It's not girl underwater? It was not girl underwater. That's weird. Their okay. design team was inspired by that, and they asked to use her footage in this video to present to journalists worldwide and say, here's what we're looking for. And this philosophy is, like I said, opposites united. So it's it's sort of the dichotomy of shapes. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see that in the EV6 from nice surfaces, beautiful, clean surfaces intersected by a very strong theme that either integrates lighting or a new stylistic element, but it, it's pushing Kia forward. So this philosophy, according mm-hmm. to Kia, is formed on five pillars. Wow, we've got pillars. I don't think you're ready. I'm really not ready. You're not ready. None of you are ready. Bold for nature, joy for reason, power to progress, technology for life, and tension for serenity. These feeling the NBAs in the room. These things. (laughs) Feel the mood board. Feel the video. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's a whole. Yeah. So when designers are sculpting, the modelers in clay, Mm -hmm. designers are sketching, and they're thinking and exploring form language, it's got to be based on something. It can't just be, well, I like the sketch because it was cool looking, and so we built it, and there's your car. (laughs) But isn't that what Dodge has done for years? (laughs) Cool looking, done. I think they put a Hellcat motor in it, finished. (laughs) Yeah, they just dropped an engine like. Let's make that go faster. Yes, exactly. Boom. Absolutely. Worked. But what this has done, the new platform mm-hmm. has enabled them to think differently because there's more space. Sure. Yeah, How yeah. do you utilize yeah. that space? If it's just a rolling platform, why do you need a hood shape? Mm-hmm. That's where the engine mm-hmm. used to go. Yeah. Well, that could be luggage. That could be people. That could mm-hmm. be anything else. Hopefully, it's not leading us to boxes like canoe. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like the canoe box, huh? I do huh? not like the canoe. <laughs> does it look like, like a rolling, half, half of a rolling Q-tip or is it just me? I, it looks like half of a, a Volkswagen bus from back in the day. Yes, it is that. Sit With, over the front wheels, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem utilized. And then they showed it off road. And anyway, I'm, I'm off topic. <laughs> but this, this is very interesting to me because that EV6 is the first dedicated BEV, battery electric vehicle, mm-hmm. ahead of the world premiere launch. And so this Opposites United is the inspiration by contrasts found in nature and humanity. Okay. Nature versus, versus humans. I'm, I'm overwhelmed by the mood board words right now. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying desperately <laughs> to hang on. So the press release says at the center of the design philosophy is a new visual identity evoking positive forces and natural energy with contrasting combinations of sharp stylistic elements and sculptural shapes. But what I like the most about Kareem is that he acknowledged, he said, we used to just look at the simplicity of a line. Okay. Which is nice. Simple is hard to do. And, and simple is always a welcome theme in anything you're designing. Sure. From I agree toothbrushes with that. Yeah, to sure. yachts, mm-hmm. it is very welcome. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do and it's hard to continually make it fresh. So I like what they're doing as they are evolving as a company and pushing farther forward. So my question to Kareem was materials. What mm. are you guys doing in terms of materials? That's what the video actually made me think of. Mm. There were there were shapes in there that made me think of patterns and textures. And I thought, okay, from a material exploration, is it just going to be leather meaning luxury and wood meaning luxury? And, and girl underwater means we need to bring wetsuit material. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, that's the one you hose out. That's kind of interesting. It's for the beach version. My car was underwater because of the dan- dancing. Did you not understand? There was the I, you showed me a girl underwater. I just drove it underwater. I, I thought that's what you always meant. count on levity from you. You know it, man. <laughs> 
But I did appreciate the fact that Kia did make Kareem available. That's really it cool. It is becoming Absolutely. more yeah. rare for car companies to make their design VPs available. But what that's showing me is their level of care and attention mm-hmm. to detail that they are putting on this. And this is showing. Okay. Kareem used to work for yeah. BMW. Now they've got the head engineer prior to the M uh, head engineer Beerman, that came yeah. over. Albert yeah, Beerman. Yeah. And Kareem's there now. So what they had done on Peter, Peter Schreier was create more European, you know, kinds of shapes. Absolutely, yeah. But they've been going through yeah, this yeah. transition, but more than ever, they're caring about this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to continue to be important mm-hmm. for all car companies because if we're truly going, you know, in this direction, what's going to differentiate you? Mm-hmm. You like mm-hmm. how it looks. That's why you bought it. It's always going to be a factor. I yes. think it's going to be a huge factor all the way to if we actually do end up in autonomous pods, I think styling is going to even matter there. Even though everybody's going to be like, well, it's a pod and you can make the seat move around. Yeah, you don't exactly. have to look out the window because we'll frost it or whatever. But I, I do think that, that you come back to it all the time, but it's totally true. If you don't like the way a car looks, Panamera, then it's problematic <laughs> instantly. Yes. You know, but, but this is our whole joke with the beaver teeth, which uh, yes. I, I want to clarify one more time if you're new. <laughs> There's a lot of discussion us. going on right now about the BMW M4, which we haven't been in, but we're getting in soon. And the fact that it has a beaver teeth look. Hmm. We have said this from the dawn of this first being shown, yes. but we have always said it beaver teeth because the joke is when your teeth are that big, you can't say teeth, so you say beaver teeth. <laughs> so we're not having a stroke. We understand how things are spelled and said. I'm just saying around here, it's beaver teeth. And, and it's also our effort to laugh at it more. Absolutely it is. Because yes. it, it deserves ridicule. I, I hope that not only is yes. the beaver teeth discussion found its way into a BMW board meeting, but I hope somebody is, is there fully with the beaver teeth. And trying to explain their way trying out of that Trying to explain how they said that by accident. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, back to Kia. So I will leave it at this, and that is the exterior design. What we can see from Kia coming mm-hmm. is a future-oriented EV design, electric vehicle design, characterized by high-tech details. Okay. Because the politics of crash testing is always affecting what new lighting technology, we'll say, is coming out. Mm-hmm. And the manufacturer and saving money to be able to integrate an expensive new technology into whatever the design is. Sure. So how do we save money but still manufacture it for a reasonable price so it's not just a paperweight on wheels yeah. or it's just an art to roll in a gallery because it costs too much to actually produce in mass. We can't sell that, yeah. I like what they're doing and I like the thought that they have behind it. And if you've seen the EV6 at this point, study it carefully. Look at it from all angles. What's they're interested What do they say in their time frame is? Is this, a, is this a show of, of styling, or is this the EV6 in route? It's, uh, it's hard to put any sort of time frame on anything conceptual from a car company. Agreed. But what they're doing is showing surface design that will start to make its way into future vehicles that we okay. see from Kia. It's a so showcase here's piece. The ins- I get it. the inspiration. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see maybe this particular vehicle in that form. You'll see something like it. But mm-hmm. we're pulling these elements out of it to make... Future, interesting, beautiful cars. And we're already seeing evidence of that. I'm seeing patterns and textures in the Kia Sorento Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. going, well, they're thinking about this. That's actually kind of a delightful thing to look at. It's just a visual interest for my eyes. It's not just the same old stuff. Mm -hmm. So I I appreciate that. Yeah, they do that well. I think they're going to push on other car companies to pay attention to this more just like tesla's kicked everybody in the teeth from an electric vehicle standpoint sure yeah. i think kia is doing a lot of stuff that will make everybody go 
Why aren't we doing something like that? We should we should do what they're doing. Team, well, do what they're doing. Let's, let's do our own thing. They'll only do that if the sales follow. For sure. If Kia does all sure. of this and they don't have a breakout in sales, let's be honest, the Kia Telluride is a sales breakout. And a as a result, success. the other companies are noticing. Now, also, yeah. the Telluride is excellent. It's also excellent. It's excellent, which yes. is why that helps. Yes. But But you have to have that sales breakout matter. I'll give you the one that you hate the most, but as a perfect example, the uh, PT Cruiser becomes the Chevy HHR because GM went, I think we're missing something, and sniped that designer over to yeah. make the HHR. Yeah, that happened. Yeah. Anyway, so I thought it was pretty cool, and thanks to Kia for having us along, uh, along for I'm that I'm glad Zoom you call. could connect with, with Kareem again. That's pretty cool. It, it was nice. It was, just, it was yeah. cool to to see him and hear him explain, and, and there were all kinds of questions. But, of course, there were many journalists mm-hmm. who saw this – ethereal celestial esoteric video that didn't have any cars in it mm-hmm. and ask well, where's the car I, but honestly I, going, I would have been that guy this is why Gah. you were on this call and not me it's conceptual it's made you uh-huh. it's designed to make you think about what's coming and uh, what your inspiration could draw from it's not just here's the car we like the sketch kaboom <laughs> <laughs> I am not as sophisticated as you in this area. If if you like hearing us disagree about stuff, not only is there this podcast twice a week, uh, Tuesdays and Fridays, but we also do uh, videos on our Test Drive Videos channel and our original Everyday Driver channel on YouTube. But the reason I'm bringing all this up is because we are still playing Season 8 on the Motor Trend Cable channel this coming Saturday. We are still on. We're on through the end of March. We're on all of the, the, the first quarter and the third quarter of the year. So we are already shooting Season 9 for third quarter. And Season 8 is also available Amazon Prime if you're looking for very latest stuff. But all the old seasons are available, too. They're, so they're we hope you're well. watching them all. And if you do watch, do me a favor. Give it a rating and a review because that helps us and it helps other people find it and know if they want to watch it. The whole algorithm is driven, frankly, by you guys. Yeah. So we appreciate yeah. that. And I'm also – while I'm here – Hey, I'd like that for the novel too. If you if you want to read my novel, go to everydaydriver.com. You can find it at the store tab. If you're if you're a person who wants to read not about cars, <laughs> I'd appreciate that rating too. There. Big thanks to our TV sponsors, Haggerty, Covercraft. You can use the code EVERYDAY21 with Covercraft for 10% off, free shipping. Grio's Garage, the code there is EDRIVER and Auto Tempest as well. So thanks to those guys for making all of our TV seasons possible. DriveShare is the coolest online car sharing platform around. It's simple. By connecting car owners with renters, DriveShare unlocks the joy of driving. With DriveShare, renters can find cars that bring out the awesome of every moment, and owners can earn extra cash to fund their passion. To sign up, cruise over to DriveShare.com or download the app for iOS or Android. That's DriveShare.com. We have a topic Tuesday that I think I can connect with, Mm. but I feel like it was written for you. Well, you might have seen how I chose it, but there's yes. plenty of stuff to talk about. There is, I, I thought there was no, a nice it, counterpoint in there, too. It gets into a great discussion about are we, as car enthusiasts, we've talked about this before, are we gatekeepers? Are we keeping other people out of car love by our the way we talk about things, by the way we exclude others for not understanding what we're talking about? We, as everyday driver, kind of want to include as many people as we can. We understand mm-hmm. that you may like cars and that's literally the end of all you figured out. Right. I have a car. I'd like to drive it. Done. You don't know anything about engine codes, which is the great thing that makes my eyes bulge. But who knows? <laughs> you know, you may not understand what is uh, – hang on. What's rear-wheel drive versus front-wheel drive? I thought all cars were the same. You may be at that step. That's fine. Totally. But we as enthusiasts of anything, in our case cars, can exclude others by not being inclusive enough. And that's where this starts. But it starts with bourbon. It was – 
Weirdly intriguing, disheartening at first, but encouraging towards the end, Frank. Frank M. writes to us about the better bourbon, but what he means are gatekeeping cars. Here's the story. Frank recently heard the phrase, I want to be a car person, but I can't find anything that really gives me that wow factor. He heard this from a coworker, and Frank had a realization. He had the same issue with bourbon. Hmm. He doesn't hate whiskey, he says, but to him, there's almost zero appeal. It tastes like brown and burning. Somebody's writing right now. <laughs> I had to laugh. <laughs> he was always bothered by these people who go on and on about, oh, there's these caramel notes and the tobacco leading into leather, and then you get tart cherries and so forth. Why couldn't he taste anything but brown and burning? That <laughs> <laughs> is just I, I love endless it. laughter. I love it. That's great. One day, Frank emailed a YouTube channel who had produced a video on introducing a whiskey newbie to their favorite whiskeys. And he asked them, am I different? Is there something mm. wrong with my taste? Mm. What do I need to do to figure this out? And they wrote back and told him he was shackling himself to his expectations set by others. Frank was expecting to sip something and be wowed. But he says, that's never going to happen. It doesn't happen to them. It won't happen to me. But... That's what the whiskey community is selling people on. Okay. So he stopped trying to experience it like the experts and the enthusiasts. He still can't <laughs> taste the tobacco or the cinnamon or whatever. He gets hints here and there, but he says for years, he felt like he failed at enjoying something because he wasn't having that near euphoric reaction that everyone else was. Or he, that he gets the impression he's supposed to have. Yeah. What if, and I, I want you to continue, but this is a theoretical I'm throwing up right now. What if you're a person that gets in a car and you can't tell where the drive wheels are? Mm, sure. You, you've driven it down the block to work. You just, you don't know what the drive wheels are. Sure. Sure. Are you not a car enthusiast? And I'm asking this almost rhetorically because of, of course. course you're a car enthusiast, course, yeah. but, but this is the thing we're talking about. We, as people that jump in and out of cars all the time as automotive journalists, we kind of have presets where we understand a lot of this stuff and we can feel it right away or we can feel that right away and we connect with it. We want to talk about it. That doesn't mean a lot of people might not hop into that car and not get any of that, which is exactly back to this. I love this metaphor exactly. So that's exactly where, where Frank is. Keep going. I love that you love bourbon and whiskey metaphors describing uh -huh. cars, but it's, it's really about the experience. I, I think yeah. you guys are hearing that. Frank said it hit him. We all do the same thing with cars. Go read a review of whatever high horsepower or lightweight kind of sports car. And he says, read the adjectives they use. Now put yourself in the shoes of Joe Smith, who works at an accounting office and saves for years to buy that cul-de-sac car. There's nothing that could possibly meet his expectations. Joe drives it a few times, parks it in the garage until years later, he finally decides to sell it. And the entire time, he's felt like he just wasn't a car guy because we, the royal we, the collective we, are guilty of this. We've gatekept the environment by passively telling him he wasn't enjoying it. Well, not enough, anyways, he says. But we as a community have widened the gulf between commuter and enthusiast to such an extent there's no wonder people can't make the jump. Mm. Mm. Every powerful or fast car Frank has ever owned was sold to him as the relative holy grail of driving by magazines, videos, and podcasts, like the Z28 Camaro. That car was so hyped, he says, when he drove it, it's just like any other Camaro, so we cammed it, put heads on it, headers, and he hated it. So he was on. trying to make it the car he was sold. Yes. Well, he bought a Z28 Camaro because of all the reviews, mm -hmm. because everybody was talking about greatest Camaro ever. And ultimately, he drove it and thought, 
this feels like a Camaro, which is not necessarily a strike against it, but he'd been sold a, this is another league. So then he's now, absolutely. Then he's now spending all this money to make it. And you can't see the air quotes better. And he made it worse. And now he doesn't want to drive it. It's that same thing you and I've talked about before where the people that buy, I I was at a car show when, when the C7 Z06 first came out and a guy drove in incredibly slowly, climbed out, popped the hood where he had not, I'm not kidding, a Z06 mural painted on the underside (laughs) and a huge aftermarket supercharger that made the thing 800 and something horsepower. Mm -hmm. And I asked him about it and come to find out he'd never seen it or driven it before the supercharger went on. It was delivered directly from the dealer to the people that put the supercharger on and into the mural underneath. And I was like, I didn't say this to him, but I kept thinking, how do you know it's better? I understand. I understand. On paper, it's better because it's got more power. But you trundled in here. (laughs) You'll trundle out of here. Yes, you will. You'll drive 65 on the freeway. Yeah. Frank realizes that the only car he ever remembers having outright fun in is a Miata. Because he had zero expectations, not Mm, a single one. Interesting. And he was free of that burden. Okay. His Miata doesn't handle like its own rails. It's not a pure distillation of a sports car. It doesn't (laughs) pin him back in his seat. (laughs) Have you read these before? Is this what you're saying, Frank? (laughs) He says, pick your idiom. You've noticed that there's many car journalists who write... You can tell the ones that have a thesaurus really handy, thesaurus.com, like ready to yeah. go. Yeah. You're like, I don't use that word in my day-to-day. I've never used that word. I didn't, I didn't know that word existed. There are some automotive journalists who Ugh. I am convinced are trying to see at least one place in each article they write where they can leave some word that is so obscure they send everyone for the thesaurus. Yeah, I have a fairly broad vocabulary. Yeah. And sometimes, a lot of times, if it's something really odd, you can tell by context. There, I'm not going to name names, but there are a couple of authors who literally, they will f- drop something so completely out there that even context doesn't help. And you're sitting there going, what is that word? And if, if you're yeah. that, if, if, and I'm sorry, there's no victory in baffling your audience. It doesn't make you a good writer. It doesn't make it doesn't, doesn't endear you to your reader either. No. Look at how smart I am, though. Wow. No, I prefer the plain language. I prefer. Tell me what you think in plain English. Just okay, a word or two. Maybe you're philosophizing a little bit, sure, as sure, relating it to Absolutely. things. Yeah. But Frank had kept gate kept himself by raising his expectations, jumping from one car to another in search of the better bourbon, and he's found it. And I'm thrilled. I will speak to bourbon just briefly. Okay. Yeah, I, I was never that. into whiskeys and bourbons until I went to a tasting with a guy named Chip Tate. So he held a tasting in LA. Okay. All right. All right. And a bunch of people were there. And I kind of thought the same thing. And I was like, I was taken there by a friend. I was like, yeah, we got to go to this thing. <laughs> Took you. Took you by force. We're he going. Was the former distiller of Balcones uh, Distillery okay. in Waco, Texas. Okay. Got it. Got it. And he has since left and has started his own distillery called TateDistillery.com, if you want okay. to see Chip. All right. And he taught the class, essentially, to enjoy it and smell it and roll it around on your tongue and all those snobby, highfalutin kinds of things. Sure. But I got more out of it. Mm. And so okay. the point is, not whiskey, I was just instructed to do the thing. Whatever we're doing, yeah. I was yeah. instructed by an expert to... Sample it differently, to taste it differently, to test it, to interact with it 
than I had ever had. I just mm. used to take a sip and swallowed it. Well, that's why it burns. <laughs> you let it roll on your tongue for 60 seconds. Boy, things change. At least that's what I found. So that's okay. my own experience. All right. All right. Okay. I've, you're, I'm lost in the woods, but I'm listening. I've been told by a winemaker, mm-hmm. if you like how the wine tastes, it's good wine. Mm. And I've related that to cars. If you like your car and you like how it drives, that's a good car. Done. Abs- I Why totally agree with that. Why are you not a car enthusiast? Yes, I totally of agree with that. Of course you are. And so we've done our best. And Frank, we've noticed this very thing too. It can seem exclusionary. Mm-hmm especially the, the different factions, especially when that Nissan GTR came out and neither of us liked it. We respected the heck out of it. Yes. The power, the capability, mm-hmm. and the fact that it was $80,000 in 2009 and it kicked every other sports car maker in the you-know-what. Absolutely, it did. Much respect. Mm-hmm. Didn't really enjoy it. It wasn't that much fun. It wasn't man, fun. Can you believe what this does? Yeah. Todd came back and he's like, I can go around a corner at 100 I've never been able to say that before. What What's going on? What yeah, is car? Yeah, yeah. What have cars it was crazy. Become? Yeah. And so we both noted the absurdity of that car and marveled at the price versus what it can do. And amazing. And I still don't want one. Well, but we, we get emails like this a lot or YouTube comments or you name it. If we come out on, this is an interesting phenomenon about anything that any of us listening own. If you hear 10 compliments yeah, and two yeah. critiques Suddenly, the person hated what you hate my car. It's like, no, I called out things that were genuinely not good about it. Did you notice all the stuff I said that was good? No, none of that was other 10. None none of that was noticed. But but look, I mean, we we are subject to this as well. We can read a hundred nice YouTube comments. Thank you guys, by the way. And then there's two that somebody's just scathing about. And those are the two that linger with you. We're we're all as humans designed this way. This is our one of our our flaws for sure. I get it. But hmm. The thing I think is interesting is when we get emails, sometimes irate, sometimes just slightly annoyed, where people essentially, this is the email. You guys said this negative thing about a car I own and love. <laughs> That's much of it. How dare you? Yeah. And my thought is, you love it. And they're, yeah. And I'm like, great. I, 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 don't, ha- I, don't, have a, I don't have a thought beyond that. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're not yeah. fighting words. We're, we, we do our opinion for a living. Mm-hmm. We drive a lot of things. So we have... To Frank's point, we have a, a nuance in takeaways that comes from driving lots of things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, frankly, as, as much as Paul and I have, have honed the ability to talk to a microphone or to talk to a camera and make it nice, hopefully mm-hmm. enjoyable and natural, the, the experience is what allows us nuance. The yes. skill is in talking about yes. it. But the experience comes from driving so many little things and that – that experience makes us go, oh, I can now tell this versus that. Uh, 200 cars ago, probably couldn't. Frank, the only thing I think Todd and I are thinking about when the camera is on and we're talking to the camera about a car is that it's just one person. I think you mentioned this to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're not talking to the worldwide audience. We're not talking to everybody out there and trying to please everybody or, or annoy everybody or do anything for a giant audience. It's one person. Mm. It's you that's watching. That's it. And it's more of a... Here's what I'm feeling. Please disagree. Please tell me I'm out of my tree for some reason. But here's what I'm feeling. And that's based on driving a lot of stuff now. And I kind of have my own proclivities. Got got my own sense of sure. what I completely. like. Completely, yeah. And I'm kind of measuring that up against what this new car is that I'm driving. Mm-hmm. Here's my thoughts. Here's, mm-hmm. And so take that as a you know one of many. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's hard to call any car reviewers, any review or video or anything gospel. 
well, they said it was like this, so it must be like that. That's the biggest mm. problem I've had with Clarkson because people take his word as gospel. And sometimes he's doing it to entirely bend the narrative in a certain way. Well, you're not a car person unless you've owned an Alpha. There will be legions of car enthusiasts that have never owned or never will own an Alfa Romeo. Sure. And they are no less valid as car enthusiasts than anyone else, sure. anybody who's owned an Alfa Romeo. But if he says a car graduate. is terrible, then supposedly it's terrible. And sometimes it was terrible because the plot line needed it to be terrible. Right. I hate to say that, but that actually does go on. Right. Yeah. So therefore, we sample as much as we can and spit out, here's what I think mm-hmm. in plain, easy to understand language. Hopefully, That's the other yeah. thing with writers. Imagine speaking that paragraph out loud and trying to pronounce that weird, crazy <laughs> word that you <laughs> thought was cool. <laughs> and use that in a sentence and try to try to look normal pronouncing that word in normal conversation. I dare you. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Not going to happen. Well, f- mm. So I come to this saying, if you love your car and you like driving it, yeah, you're a car enthusiast. Yeah. Welcome. We've said that before. Brilliant. Absolutely. It's great. And we wish that upon you. If somebody writes to us and says, guys, I'm thinking about this and yeah, I'm, I'm open to other suggestions, but I really want a 911, a Corvette, a Miata, an 86. <laughs> Whatever they're uh, already sold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to say, go buy that car. Yes, please. Please do. If a few years later you think, all right, I've sampled it. Mm-hmm. It's given me a good baseline. Mm-hmm. I think I'm ready for something new. That's okay. Yeah. I say that to give myself permission. I say that to give you all permission. Yes. Yes, I love Porsches. Somebody asked in the comments, would you rather have a 997C2 or a BMW 1M? I think I'm going BMW, actually. Interesting. I like that 1M a lot. Okay. Shocking for people to hear. But I don't want to let my love and bias towards Porsche just be like, well, they're just the best ever. Nobody can say anything. But yeah, please. Mm. Why are they the best? Or why do I like them? Or Okay, Mm -hmm. you disagree? Mm -hmm. Totally good. I'm good with that. Frank, I have a few other thoughts on this that, that have been rattling around my brain. First off, one of my favorite things about cars, and I know I'm anthropomorphizing here, but but cars are like people. Every car out there has stuff that's great about them and stuff it doesn't do well. Yeah. yeah. You will not find a car that does everything. <laughs> we have yet to find upper, this car. At, at the uppermost level. The Ram TRX came pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> you got to admit. You won't, you won't find a car that is everything you ever imagined it could be and more and doesn't have any flaws. They all have flaws. Yeah. But here's the thing. So do people. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And and line up 10 people and ask them who the most attractive person in the room is opposite from them. Sure. You're going to get a lot of different answers. Yeah, yeah. And there's going to be some level of consensus, but you're going to get a lot of different answers. And then have those 10 people meet everybody in the room, and they're going to have different answers still because they found that, you know, that person's like this. I don't like that at all. Right. Or the person's like, well, I think that person's great because of that reason, whatever the reason is. Right. This happens with cars, and I love that. You'll find a person that is – they're all about that one random car. And you think, really? <laughs> you landed there. But they love it. Yeah. And they, yeah. here's the thing I like about it. When they can tell me why they love it. That's the biggest dif- differentiator. They might, it might be, I still might walk away going, you've got to be kidding. You can have that thing. Okay. <laughs> sure. But sure. But you connected with it in the same way you connected with a person that I don't find attractive at all. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind. I love that cars, this thing that can simultaneously be art and transportation and hobby. It's amazing. What else falls into all those categories can also be almost human-like enough that you can like different ones in spite of their flaws. And one of the problems that I have with a lot of modern cars is we are engineering out things that are interesting or things that are unique. 
and they're all just becoming sea of sameness. Imagine if all the people in your life were the same. We're, we're, we're isolating ourselves from the flaws. And I know, I know this is my obvious one to go to, but I'm going to go there. The Phaeton had flaws and the Elise had flaws. Mm-hmm. Kind of opposing flaws, by the way. That's why you so, had to own both. So you exactly. Can, like, so the thing I, I, want, I want you to say, yeah. I want you to take away here, all of you listening, and, and you especially, Frank, is that I want you to find a car you like, that you like the things about it, and you're okay with the things it doesn't do well. Yeah, right. Because you're not going to find a car that does everything well or everything at the opposite level. And the problem with reviewing, and I'm including us here too, the problem with reviewing and taking a car on merit of a review is there will never be a car ever that is the best or the fastest. Mm-hmm. Never going to happen. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for this is at a whole level, I just never even imagined nothing else can touch this, you're only going to be disappointed. Yeah. You've got to revel because ultimately, fundamentally, it's a car. Sure. It's just a car. Sure. A car has these features about it. We can jump into five-seat SUVs, supercars, little tiny sports cars, and a family sedan. And there are, I hate to say this, you're going to be shocked, there are commonalities across all of those. Yeah. There's things that differentiate them, but there's commonalities. So I want to encourage all of us to buy cars and lean into their strengths. Absolutely. And tolerate their weaknesses because we're pursuing a specific love. I want a car that handles well. I want a car that costs, costs me. They're not the same car, by the way. The car that is the most <laughs> yes. comfortable car you've ever driven probably doesn't quarter that well. Right. But right. that's okay. So let's embrace the stuff for the reasons that it's good and stop chasing this is the best. This leads me to a weird tangent, though. Okay. Okay. The only way that you can revolutionize somebody's perspective of a car is to completely drop something completely different that's totally off of everything they've experienced. This is why the average non-car person, I think, becomes such hardcore Tesla fans. Okay. Because Teslas right. are so very different. Yes. In yes. from the way you buy it to the way it works to how the in, in, the user interface is to the fact that you don't even life. have to open the door, all yeah. this kind of stuff. Yeah. Now you're plugging it in. If you're a person that doesn't like cars, I've I've met a lot of these people. Don't like cars. Not necessarily hate them, but just not engaged by them. The Tesla is so different, it revolutionizes their thinking. And their takeaway is very often, this is the best car being sold. Mm-hmm. And my thinking is, no, 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 it's just staggeringly different than anything you've encountered. And you've equated different with better. Maybe. Yes. But maybe not. Okay, so does that mean they're car enthusiasts all of a sudden? <sighs> They're Tesla enthusiasts. I've had this debate with people before. People have asked me, because Tesla has made so many people excited about cars who weren't excited about cars before, does that excite me because they're car enthusiasts? And my counterpoint is, if driving a Tesla was so different, it made them more intrigued by cars in general, that person's now a car enthusiast. Okay. If all it's made them excited about is Tesla, they're a brand enthusiast. And it's not the same. Fair. I definitely see that. I think, Frank, what the biggest takeaway is, we've talked about this before, is that the banner of car enthusiasts encompasses drag racers, the guys who drive donks, pickup truck enthusiasts, Absolutely. off-roaders, yes. street racers, track driving, you know, track rats, mm-hmm. you name the category. And under this banner, car enthusiasts. Agreed. I love that about cars. Everybody relates to a car in some way. Everybody. Mm-hmm. You've seen one. 
well, then you can relate to it. You might hate them, <laughs> but that's how you relate to them. Mm-hmm. That is, I love that about cars. And somebody always has an opinion. Doesn't matter how much knowledge you have. Mm-hmm. Somebody has an opinion about it. Opinions are easy. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. I love that about cars. So, yeah, let's let's work towards mm, less of the the siloing. I guess it's a good term for it. I us see it. versus yeah. them. Yeah, who is yeah, us yeah. and who is them? Well, and why can't there be crossover? And I mean, why can't it. we be welcoming to new? Okay, you don't know thing, but you like how it looks and you like driving it. So welcome. let's talk about it. Welcome. Yes, completely. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when you're trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is incredibly important. And this applies to online shopping too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. We know you've heard us talk about it before and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once so you know you won't miss that ideal car. Autotempest.com. All the cars one search. Chris writes to us from Spring, Texas, and he said, um, <clears throat> I think I shouldn't get another Volkswagen. <laughs> Chris, thank you for listening to the show. He writes with uh, asking for our advice for a next enthusiast car now that a recent driver has been added to a fleet. To Uh-oh. the fleet. Uh-oh. Chris is married with one son who just turned 16. Hello, we, family. We have a car problem now. Hello. In their fleet, they currently have a 2019 Volkswagen Atlas SEL 4 Motion. This is what his wife drives. A 2016 GTI SE with the DSG. That's Chris's enthusiast car. Mm-hmm. And a Chevy Colorado. 2.5 liter inline four with a six-speed manual. He says it's state law to own a truck <laughs> if you live in Texas. I think this is why I was... Ha- I, I, I thought I was leaving a Biota Accord. I think I was quietly being pushed out. <laughs> That's what I actually think truck. was happening. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Chris is an airline pilot. His GTI was originally his everyday car. But after spending three to four days under the departure path at an airport where it's parked waiting for him to return mm-hmm. home, he yeah. says he would notice jet exhaust soot resting on the GTI. Hmm. It made him sad to see that kind of abuse on such a fun hot hatch. So we bought the truck as his everyday driver to the airport as well as mulch runs. Lots of mulch. Wow. He's, there's a lot of mulching going mulch on man. in Chris's life. Yeah. And trips to the blue and orange big box stores. <laughs> The GTI then became the enthusiast car. He had the Stage 1 performance chip installed, installed a new air intake, European headlights, taillights, multifunction gauge, on and on and on. He really loves it, drives it when the weather is nice. Is it never not nice in Texas? I mean, well, there, there's uh, occasional, I, I say that with you know tongue in cheek, there's, there's the occasional. There's some rain coming. There's rain, there's, there's ice storms. There's some serious rain there's coming. There's snow, of yeah. course, but uh, not that for much the snow, most part, it's kind of nice, right? And crazy hot. Make sure your air conditioner works. Yeah, right. So he only drives it when the weather's nice or he feels like taking a long trip to get coffee or barbecue. Like it. It's 2016 with 21,000 miles. He's now got a 16-year-old who recently got his driver's license. He says, yikes on that insurance. And they have three vehicles sitting in the driveway, which means his son needs to drive one of them. And his son, I love this, by the way. Hello to your son. He said, Dad, I'll take the GTI. And Chris said, no, you will not. Well, he's taking. Chris has the truck at the airport. He's on a business trip. Yeah, Dad'll take the GTI. No, 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 no. You will not because, and I I fully agree with this. He wants his just started driving driver Mm -hmm. to have a manual transmission to to wrestle with, so that he's busy. 
there's stuff yes. to do in the yes. cabin. Keep he also doesn't occupied. think that the performance of the GTI is a good choice. So uh, the GTI is not being driven by Chris's son. By the way, if this is news to Chris's son, I'm sorry. The GTI is <laughs> not his car. Break it to yeah, you. this is the bad news. But uh, the pickup is going to be his son's car. So now the GTI is back to daily, and he goes, should I change? <laughs> Chris, I laughed after I read this next sentence. When you said you're looking for a true sports car, he says, after hearing your podcast, I'm not sure what that is anymore. <laughs> we'll, we'll still try to help you. But I you're don't right. blame you we a have, bit. We have clouded that issue heavily. <laughs> if your neighbors go, oh, midlife crisis, you did it right, Chris. Exactly. That's what you, you sold that little wagon and you got that thing? What's that thing? That, honestly, this is the conversation I want you to have with your neighbors, Chris. They're like, oh. So a sports car is based entirely mm. on judgment on neighbors. <laughs> Judgment by neighbors, actually. No, you just want to have it, and then you want to have those conversations with with just a firm smile on your face, like, come on, bring it, bring it, drive your minivan, that's fine. <laughs> well, he wants his next enthusiast car to have a manual. Of course, two doors, perhaps something German, perhaps. Fun to drive, he would be open to a convertible for the spring and fall in South Texas. He's thinking 2008 to 2013 time frame with a budget of 15 to 20 grand. Mm. He also admits he has not discussed it with the wife, but she's probably listening. And so she's, now you're about to, Chris. She's heard now the discussion. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to look. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a moment. You can pause the podcast right here and come back. You ready? All right, you're back, Chris. All right, let's keep going. His previous cars include a 1984 Mustang with a four cylinder from the dark years at Ford there. 84 Toyota Celica GTS. That's cool. cool. Yeah. 92 Ford Escort LX. 98 Jetta GLX. It's <laughs> a pattern coming. Ford Explorer, Passat, Jetta TDI. He says, I can already hear Todd saying, no more VWs. That's what I'm saying. No more Volkswagen product. Let's move on. A Kia Sereno, a Mazda CX-9. But it ends there because he's thinking about a few new things. So the So the GTI goes... And we get Chris a fun new car. First of all, who's buying Chris's GTI? Well, that's a good question. That's what I want to know. That, that's out there. Anybody there's a, there's a, a GTI with tw- light tuning. 21,000 miles? Yes. 2016, light tuning? Great. Well taken care of. Yes. Who wants it? Chris is thinking a Porsche Boxster, although he's hesitant on the inaccessibility of the engine. I am here to assuage your fears. Okay. A t- 2009 to 2013 BMW Z4. It's been watching That's the cool. cheap sports car challenge. I like it. I like it. Because he got an 09 to 2013 SLK on here, too. <laughs> yeah, I did notice that. Like, uh, there's, there's something happening there, yeah. You realize ours are older and worse than this, right? But anyway, keep older going. Older and worse. Yeah. 2009 to 2013, BMW 135, 135iS, or the Cabriolet. The 135iS is worth it there. Yeah, that's interesting. That'd be cool. He says the Miata does not do much for him, nor does the Audi TT. Fair enough. He's not a mechanic, but can do small repairs with the help of YouTube. We could say anything about, I can do blank with the help of YouTube. Terrifying, but yes. Become an expert in mm-hmm. anything. I I want to learn to cook. Mm-hmm. With the help of YouTube, Absolutely. I'm a chef. Of course you can, yeah. You want to learn an instrument? With the help of YouTube, you too can start giving <laughs> concerts. He the- says, is there a vehicle he's overlooking? I think what you're, the stage you're in is more about going to sample things. Agreed. Go it has to do stuff. with yep. the last topic that we just discussed at the top of the podcast and it's discovering what you like chris because nowhere in here am i hearing even reading your car list what do you like you've had volkswagens you've had a ford you've had a celica but you've had things i think based on reactionary kinds of things in your life i need a car that does this 
Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. I just, I need a car. I, yes. This thing broke or I just need a car and I Agreed. need, this is my budget and that's about all I can afford. And there's one. Let's get that. <laughs> that's this, this got decent reviews. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds reactionary in my okay. thinking here. Okay. It doesn't sound explicit, deliberate, mm-hmm. chasing the thing because you know, you like front wheel drive cars. Yeah. You like mid engine yeah. cars. Sure. You like sure. big horsepower you like Mustangs or something like that. I'm nowhere in here. Am I mm-hmm. hearing? I just love how it hatches and the next I'm, you know, from here on out mm-hmm. kind of thing. <laughs> I'm hearing that you're open, which means you've got a big opportunity here to start sampling things. I agree. I do hear you about the convertible. Is a convertible in South Texas? Todd, I'm asking you a convertible in South I, Texas. Is this, what's your heat what tolerance? We, I mean, this is, that's why he's saying spring and fall because he knows in summer, the top's going to be up. I mean, cause it's just too because in California, we would see people in like the five, six o'clock hour, mm-hmm. like the convertible top should be put down like, and they're not, you're still yeah. in air conditioning and what are you doing? You have a convertible. It's but the, lev- like, the level of heat and humidity in South Texas is, is staggering. So, so it is that thing where you put the top down because you're willing to sweat through your clothes. So he's talking spring uh, and fall because that's when the weather is really nice. But isn't that even more specialized? Even that a more of a, just a. Barely of a time window to use a convertible and yeah, put the top back up. I, well, but but as we've joked before, turn the air conditioner back. As, we, as we've joked before, the UK percentage wise sells a staggering amount of convertibles for a country that doesn't have weather for convertibles. Yeah, but I have to laugh at that because that's just aspirational thinking. That's just sort of like I live in the projected future about what could be, but I <laughs> well, have, the weather will be wonderful. It's not still not today. It's still not today. But when he's saying maybe. He's not saying definitely. He's saying maybe. So I I see that. Okay. I like your suggestions. All you've suggested so far are German cars. I did notice that, yes. Mm. I have a few. I have some drive homework here for Chris. I have two. Well, okay. one car is kind of the same. That's a Cayman and a Boxster. I think you need to take a strong, mm-hmm. strong look at those. Mm-hmm. Because then your neighbors will be like, well, harumph. What did you do? <laughs> he Did you see what Chris did? He bought a Porsche. Yeah, that's kind Actually, of what they're going to say Porsche. They're going to say Either that, way, but yeah. I'm, I'm hoping for that for you because Boxster, if you decide convertible, Cayman, if you don't, that's the sweet spot of Caymans for the price you're looking Absolutely, for. Absolutely. You're in the zone, my friend. Mm-hmm. Totally. Go look for those. But there is this car. Uh-oh. I have to admit I'm intrigued by for you. Okay. When I drove it, I was enamored because it now had the power to get out of the corner that I was looking for Mm. that it never had before. Okay. It's small. It's lightweight. It's really pretty. Get it in a lovely color. Okay. The Miata RF, the Mazda Mm -hmm. MX-5 Miata RF with that retractable hardtop gives you the best of both worlds. You can choose your transmission. Yeah. It will do the, you know, keep, keep the cool in. Absolutely. Well, yeah, you can put that top back. It's, but only with the upgraded engine power and the RF. This is interesting. Only I, with that, I engine. have it on my list for the exact same reason. You do. I I think Chris. I understand you don't. The Miata doesn't do anything for you. I get that. I do, I genuinely he understand said that. that explicitly in here. The RF is a very unique beast, top up. It doesn't look like a Miata, and I it do think yeah. that styling is going to be timeless. And because it is a hard top. You do have a best of both worlds. I think it has to be an ND2, the upgraded motor. So you're talking late 2019 and newer. You may still walk away, 
but humor both of us because we both ended up there. Humor both of us by going to drive one, Chris. Manual transmission, Miata RF with the upgraded motor. You may still be like, still don't like Miatas. Totally fine. This is an exception car in that lineup that might just break you out. This is an exception podcast because I'm the Porsche guy recommending the RF saying go. But you are also the guy of the two of us who's never really connected with the Miata, even though I have and don't fit in them. You've never connected until that second, that upgrade, the ND2 upgraded motor in the RF, and you were suddenly like, oh, now I get it. Which is really interesting. Yeah, they only added like 26 horsepower. It wasn't much. It's not much. It's like five pound feet of torque. It's but nothing. It was enough. But it's got a different it personality enough. with that engine. It That's the really key thing. Does. It's very interesting. It suddenly turned me on to this car, and I went, ah, that's it. That's what I was looking for. And you know me, power. But I'm not saying it's got to be a 710 horsepower, blah, blah, blah. True, true. It's just got to be that right dial up, that right sweet spot. And so as much as I love Cayman or Boxster, mm. just to make the neighbors jealous and all conversation and make the neighborhood aflame with <laughs> conversation. I like it. That RF can't be ignored. I agree. It I agree. It's on my be. list. I have others, but it's on my list. Well, I thought of Mustangs and Camaros and Corvettes and maybe a Corvette, but eh, I want something that's just going to be like, what is this delightful mm-hmm. little thing? Yeah. Yeah. And that, ah, that Cayman's got to be on your list. Go, oh, the buzziness of a Cayman. Get a 987. Mm. Scrumptious. Okay. I like that. That's good stuff. We've already uh, talked about the Miata, clearly, Chris. I want to back up for a second. I don't think the Mercedes SLK is fun enough for your discussion point. It's fun I, enough in a blizzard. I like, I like the Z4, <laughs> yeah. but frankly, if you're going to go Z4, you should just go Cayman Boxster. Yeah. Because it's a it's a better chassis. Yeah. So that's the thing about the Z4. I like the BMW 135iS quite a bit. That's a pretty cool one. You could also get the 335iS with a retractable hardtop. That's interesting. That's interesting. With a six-speed manual, 335iS retractable hardtop. That could be really cool. We only drove the hardtop. We, we did. never felt but the I, weight shift of the hardtop. But I know that it comes that way. So that's, that's a possibility as that's well. That's a if you unicorn, want that. though. Yes, but, but that's in your Sheesh. budget. If you want that occasional convertible there. I'm going to run through some others. Somebody, nobody's going to be surprised to say this, but when I hear somebody is intrigued by a Cayman or Boxster, but they're not sure they're okay with having a Porsche or the maintenance. Mm-hmm. I have to say it. You're not going to be surprised. Look at the 86 chassis. Yeah. You haven't mentioned it. You need to go drive it. Drive that with a six-speed manual on a back road. Don't go take it on a freeway test drive. You'll be disappointed. Take it on a back road and experience some corners in that car and see if it might surprise you as fun enough mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it will. We won't have Porsche tax for maintenance at all. <laughs> okay, and you could get them for far less than your budget. So that's on my list. Sure, sure. I have three others that may be a little more surprising that I want you to go drive. It's all about drive homework, Chris. Yep. yep. Go drive the Corvette C6. Do you think? I think so. Corvette? I think so. Because I noodled with it. Because but, here's the thing. Uh, I think it's I think it's a more fun sports car in this scenario than the Big Bruisers, the Challenger, the Camaro, and the Mustang. For sure, for sure. There. And so, yeah. I, and, and while those cars are fun for straight line speed, I'm not hearing straight line speed and V8 rumble for you. I'm hearing yeah. sports car involvement. I think the C6 might bridge the gap. So go look. I'm mixed, but okay. Pontiac Solstice or Saturn Sky? Really, that far back? Half your budget. Yeah, half your budget. But half the car, what modern cars can be? Possibly. I think it's worth driving. But here's one that is every bit that old, and maybe even older than your budget. And I still think it'd be worth it. In fact, at once I landed on it, I was like, Chris, I think this is your car. Oh, 
go buy yourself a post-refresh. It's called the AP2, 2006 and up, <laughs> Honda S2000. Go buy one of those. One of the best six-speed manuals ever. A very unique car that even to this day, it feels like that car was obsessed over when they were designing and building. It feels like there was somebody in, I mean, it wasn't, but it feels like there was somebody in the clean room just obsessing. They're very fun. I think their interior and the way that they drive has kind of been a bit timeless. I don't think they feel much older now than they did when they were new. Other than the fact the car has miles on it. But I just I think yeah. it's just maintained itself really well. They're much more unique than a Miata. They actually have more interior room than a Miata, at least headroom. They've got a good retractable top. It's got a motor you got to wind up. That's a car that begs you to engage with it. <laughs> that's a car your son's going to beg you to engage oh, with. Oh, that's a whole separate thing. Neighbors are going to say, is that your son's new car? I, I Guarantee think, you. I think a Honda S2000 <laughs> you would love. Get yourself a 2006 or newer. They made them mm. up through, what was it, 09? Or, no, it was 2011 by the time they were really done, but they were really hard to 20, find yeah, the last couple of years. 2010, they had that CR I version. Think, and I then, think it was that. Maybe I'm getting it wrong. Maybe I'm mixing it with the uh, Mazda RX-8. Anyway, the point is, the late 2000s is when those cars were available. Anything 06 and up, I think you would love. Spend your money that way. That's my list. Porsche, 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 Porsche. Sorry. There's a surprise. So many questions. We're not going to get to half of the ones I have earmarked. <laughs> yeah, there, we kind of went a little long. There's a great one here. There's really, really good stuff here. I like this topic Tuesday, though, because we could we were ranting a bit, but it was good. Mystic Negro, I'm starting here. Oh, good. Because I love it this question. Because it links to another question. Did you see thank this? You. It links also to a question from Alex HC. Yes, thank Mystic you. Mystic Negro says, okay, hang on, hang on. I appreciate that hypercars exist, but I just can't get worked up about cars that can only be bought by the super rich. And I'm never even going to see one. <laughs> Which, you're right. Is there a class of fond over enthusiast cars that we really have no interest in? I don't like super lifted trucks, but that's a separate thing. But actually, I fully connect with you here. This is one of the reasons that we at Everyday Driver are about cars that are affordable. Because Although while, if you drive a Ferrari McLaren every day, blessings. Absolutely. Great, wonderful. But, but in general, yes. if I show you a $300,000 car sideways in a cloud of smoke, that's cool. And you go on about your life that has no connection to that reality. It's clickbaity. It absolutely is. You no. Know. Here's 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 the new fill in the blank I picked up and it's over my shoulder <laughs> yeah. in a car cover perfectly blacked out in silhouette and you have to click the uh, look what I picked up look what I tuned this is how much this is going to cost me clickbait 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 that sound is contempt all in one noise that's yeah but but if you buy the stuff that nobody else can afford you're just hoarding now you're just saying I have it and you don't pretty much and pretty I, much. I agree I I. <laughs> You've got a huge car collection of stuff that I can't even see or touch. I don't get it. I like talking to people at car shows that have a car that I can somehow relate to. <laughs> Mystic Neva is right there. He's also saying, is it, Alex is connecting to this by saying, is there any chance of a supercar company making their next vehicle slower slash worse than the previous model <laughs> to increase its real-world usability? This is a soapbox I've been on for a bit. Mm. We're driving so much powerful stuff, or everything in the Dodge lineup with a Hellcat motor. So much powerful stuff. Which only proliferates. Yes. They're breeding. You, you breathe on the gas pedal, and you're pretty much going to jail. I, I, is like Chateau, go to jail. Seriously. It, it's cackle-inducing. It's funny. It's fun. But I, I drive around most of the time just, I honestly feel like I'm boring the vehicle. 
Because it's just it, it, it's all it's bored with humans. Seriously, it's just like I have moved beyond you. All right, I, I'll carry you, but I'm bored with you. I, I I like I like feeling like I'm actually engaging with a lot of what the car can do. Look at the stuff that I've driven. Okay, look at the stuff that I love. It's small, lightweight, and not that powerful. Yeah, but I feel like I'm necessary. I'm all about the small and lightweight. I, just I know mean, you are. 26 extra horsepower. Yeah, you want, you want more. That's all I need. But Five extra torques. This is the problem, Alex. Is, is it interesting you brought up the Miata because I can't believe Mazda did this. Yeah. They made a smaller, lighter fourth-gen Miata than the third-gen Miata. Now, we preferred it once they upgraded the engine because the first engine – here's the thing. It wasn't even – honestly, I didn't feel at first that it was underpowerful. It was just boring. The first mm-hmm. motor was uninteresting to engage with. That's the problem they solved for me. Yeah. yeah. But that is – it's honestly unprecedented. Here's the new one, smaller, less powerful than the old one. There's no marketing trick there. The marketing department is now angry. I don't know what to sell. I can't sell less. <laughs> okay? So in general, this is something that can't happen. Look at the proliferation of the hypercars, the moonshot cars that a manufacturer does. The last round we had was McLaren P1, the 918 Porsche, and the Ferrari LaFerrari. Yeah. Yeah. This is the moonshot. This is, we've talked about this recently. This is the most we can do. And then it becomes the benchmark that all of their subsequent cars pass. Yeah. Were those cars not fast enough? Did they not do enough? Of course they did. The, the 918 Spider, all the enthusiasts are sort of like, meh. Yeah. Every, the average person that owns one, any owner that owns one, has probably never rung those out to everything they can do. They're afraid of jail, too. This is the thing with the Koenigseggs and the things that are breaking the, the land speed records for the best production car. When are, when, when are you doing that? <laughs> so I wish, I wish this wasn't a thing, but it is the more, bigger, better. It is the bar fight thinking. This is never going to stop. This is my only caveat. We as enthusiasts need to buy the cars that aren't that. So yeah. that the manufacturers yeah. understand that there are those of us that will buy things that are de- designed to be fun, but not designed to be the best. Alex, my answer to your, <laughs> it's new, but it's lower and worse question. <laughs> but no, it's new. Hey, mm-hmm. check it out. Is that it leaves the slot below it for the new model that wasn't, it's not as fast, not as good, not mm, as whatever. This is BMW's entire line of thinking. Yes, but you see what I mean, which oh, yeah. leaves the door open for Porsche to build like a 550, like a real 550, and it's cheaper and be slower nice. and less powerful, and it's probably going to be awesome. But I'll give you an example, and that is the Supra, the 2-liter versus the 3-liter. The 3-liter okay. is awesome. Yeah. I like the balance of the 2-liter better. Mm. It's less. It's less powerful. Mm. But I get the same car, and maybe with a manual in the future, but I... I actually kind of like the two liter better. Mm. I, I want the power of the three. It's magnificent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's excellent. Sure, I want it. But then the two liter super is sort of like, huh? Like we were talking about the Cayman T or the entry level base nine eleven. As expensive mm-hmm. as they still are, it's sort of like <laughs> there's not entry level at all that go on. Why do they still have these? Why yeah. isn't it just S yeah. and GTS everything? Well, because it proliferates that. Hey, more out here on the high end, and then it leaves the space over here for the low end. <laughs> There's a hole for a new car. I like that. Petrolhead2003 asks us if we are familiar with the RPM Act. It says, do you think the EPA has a right to enforce laws against the aftermarket community? Suddenly, R- all I see are <laughs> hand grenades, landmines, <laughs> and rakes. Pretty much. We, we, we don't want to you know, 
we could talk about this for hours and yes. take one side, take the other. It'd be kind of interesting to debate both sides. But the, the RPM Act is, says it's recognizing the Protection of Motorsports Act of 2019. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it, it has, it's an addendum to the Clean Air Act, which has been around forever. And it's saying the exception to modifying your own personal car mm-hmm. for the use of motorsports, competition, or off-road use. Okay. And so we like the proliferation of motorsports. We like that people get to experience that, I'll say. I, I think that's about as much as we want to I mean, say yeah, here. theoretically, we are for people being able to do stuff with the car that they bought. Yeah. But this gets into a quagmire of who's behind it and who does it really benefit and how much are we tuning things that are actually being used off-road or for motorsports or just because I like what it does at Cars and Coffee. Well, sure. Which is a big question mark, too, that we can't possibly control. Like I said, we could debate it up one side and down the other, but I I appreciate the question. J.R. Schultz says, current BMW 2 Series is nothing like the last 2 Series. Should BMW called it something else? Yes, they should have. The 2 Series... All the way up through the M2, the M2CS is a rear-wheel drive two-door, smaller than the 3 Series, smaller than the M3. This was kind of an enthusiast car in their lineup, and now you have the 2 Series Grand Coupe, which is front-wheel drive biased and designed essentially after the Corolla. These should not have the same nomenclature. The Grand Coupe Mm. doesn't make it okay. It should be a different especially when you're selling them simultaneously. That's the thing that is even more baffling. You walk mm-hmm. in the BMW dealership right now, you go, I'd like to drive the 2 Series. Do you mean the front-wheel drive commuter car? Or do you mean the rear-wheel drive fun, fun car? <laughs> and after you finish retching at the thought of a front-wheel drive commuter car, how is you say... How is that a thing? The good one. <laughs> how is that a thing? I don't, understand, I don't understand how that got through all of the levels where they just thought, we'll sell these side-by-side side and no one will be confused. Just forget enthusiasts for a second. How much confusion does that reach? <laughs> Bureaucracy. This is a two series, but it's not like the other two series, even though it's a two series. I'm confused. My brain hurts. Well, Porsche did that with Turbo. They messed that up. Yes. Joshua Anthony on Facebook asks, what is the best driver's car that you'd still have to explain at Cars and Coffee? Hmm. Most people would, they'll call anything a Ferrari, right? You're like, That's a red Mia. Nope, it's a Mazda. Stop it. <laughs> I'm thinking like a factory 5818 because nobody really knows what it is. sure. Okay, all right. And you'd have to explain it like, well, yeah, it's this weird Frankenstein of a super engine in the rear with the front axle now that's the rear axle now, and it's it's weird one-off chassis and that kind of thing. I I think (laughs) because even like a Caterham would be like, oh, that's – I think I've seen one of those maybe at some point. Is that a Caterham or Lotus 7? Like, well, it's a Lotus 7 knockoff and blah, blah, blah. Probably some sort of kit car. It's not bad. Nobody, the, the styling isn't a giveaway, and you don't see a badge, and you're sort of like, yeah. what is this homebrew kind of messed up thing? Homebrew. Homebrew. That's perfect. Homebrew Dam- Damn it, Patton says, given winter driving is, is currently going on, actually, the winter feels like it's running away from us right now. But anyway. That just means Since mountain biking and you're right. some road driving. You're right. That's but all we're going to have lots more cheap sports car stuff, even if it's not in the winter. We, we froze ourselves the last one. Maybe we get a break now. But since we're in the middle of winter driving, he's asking about our most um, <coughs> concerning winter driving moment. Do you have one? I actually have one um, from a recent shoot. Okay. That you are probably not aware of. <clears throat> oh, it I was think I know in this a shoot. 710 horsepower Hellcat powered Dodge Durango SRT. Not on winter tires. On 
actually they were Pirelli Scorpions, but they were the all season. They were the all season. season. They're, they're great as all season tires, but not when there's snow on the ground yeah, and 700 horsepower. Ice and a lot of horsepower. Mm-hmm. Overpowered truck on yes. very slippery conditions. In a straight line under braking, the car wanted to swap ends. Whoa! I on know one that. of my runs past I the camera. That. Okay, and I, I, I got her loose and wiggly, and <laughs> <laughs> a lot of truck to have that happen to. Happy to hand that truck back. <laughs> You're like Todd. It's your turn. <laughs> I, I mean, I love the truck in the dry in anywhere else. Well, but it's all about tires, though. Yeah, we had that yeah. issue yet again. Oh boy. For sure. I actually gave you one. I don't even think I've told you this either. When I was doing winter. <laughs> I like how we don't tell yeah, each exactly. other. Yeah, exactly. Just don't worry about stereotype. it. It's, it's going to be fine. When we were doing, I was doing winter driving videos on my FRS. Yeah. Rear wheel drive. Yeah, yeah. Driving it all around. People saying, oh, I didn't know there's all wheel drive. No, it's not. I, like, it's I, not. Bye. I had a video where I was actually driving around and I was, I was breaking traction on purpose. Yeah. And I came through a 90 degree corner in a nice neighborhood in Park City. Yeah. And so I punched it. And the back of this is actually in the video, but I punched As it to get do. to get the back out around the corner, and it got a little too far out. Like halfway through the corner, the traction changed, oh, and God. now the back started coming a long way around. Then I did the classic screw up. Okay. Oh no. And that is, I looked where I thought I might go, like, oh, oh no, there's the ditch and the post and the, that kind of thing. And I literally, if you watch the raw footage, it's easy can, to do. It's you can, easy absolutely, to do. You can see me process it. In my eyes, you can see me look where I think I'm going to end up in my own car while doing a video on why winter tires are great. You can see, and then you can see me wrench my eyes back to where I want to be. Always look where you want to go. And it came back around. But there's a split second where I look the wrong way and then you could just tell the car is continuing to follow my gaze. It was like, (laughs) no, 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 look over there. And I was okay. Oof, guys, thank you for your questions. We got way more, as Todd said, than we can get to, but they will be covered on future podcasts. We really appreciate it. Always looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>